As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. got a championship edition with the special three-man booth here today. Had to do that uh, as Alliance clinch the NFC North for the first time in uh, 30 years, for the love of God. Uh, hi, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Bolton Pouncey and Chris Burke. Welcome back to another one of these years. Uh, people have asked, are we going to change the name of the show? We are not going to change the name <laughs> of the show because we still don't know if this, in fact, will be one of these years. But, Bolton championship has been won and that is actually pretty cool so uh, how are we doing how was uh, how was the actual environment there on the holiday uh with the title situation yeah honestly i wasn't sure how it was going to be just because you know it was christmas eve uh but man i mean minnesota fans they packed that place didn't see a whole lot of blue in there and that's probably one of the first times this year where like lions fans didn't take over stadium on the road but you i mean you can give them a pass it was christmas eve you know sure you know guys were people were with their families you know I, i understand it but the atmosphere was was insane. Um, I love U.S. Bank Stadium. Like the snow effect that they have pregame, like the whole thing, whole setup is pretty cool. Um, so I figured we were going to get a good game too. You know, Brian Flores' defense, um, the way this offense has been playing, um, and it delivered. Man, I thought that was a fun game. A lot of thrills, a lot of drama, up and down moments. But uh, in the end, the Lions came out on top. So, division champs. Division champs, and, you know, they do it the Lions way, uh, giving them 400 yards to Nick Mullins <laughs> in a situation where it's just like, oh, my God. They did pick him off four times, of course. That's what I ended up saying to somebody. I'm like, hey, look, they give, they give up 400 yards, but they ended up picking him off four times, so it doesn't matter. Point is, is they clinch the championship and they get it done. Uh, I want to welcome Chris back in here, of course, who wasn't there, but has been through a lot of other garbage with the Lions over the years. <laughs> and uh, Chris, I'm wondering what you were uh, what you were thinking as you were going through it. It's still a little bit for me, and I'll get to my thoughts in a second. I, I sort of expected this. I, I really did. I really thought this was nothing about as Nothing has surprised me to this point. This has sort of been what I thought would happen. I'm curious from your perspective and point of view, which is, is also very unique here. You know, what, what, were, what were your thoughts uh, once it was finally over there? Yeah, I mean, I I sort of was in, since really early in the season, it felt like they were the best team in this division. And he, and I definitely thought, I mean, it obviously was a little touch and go there this week, but I definitely thought they were going to beat Minnesota twice to end the year if they needed to. I mean, who knows what week 18 will look like now, but yeah. um, they're pretty clearly to me the best team in this division. So... I don't think any of that was a surprise. I mean, it's still like (laughs) I was telling you, I mean, I was getting texts throughout that game from like friends and family and stuff. And, um, you know, they're up in the fourth quarter, like eight or nine minutes away from their first division championship in 30 years. And my, my cousin, who's a lifelong fans texting me like, man, I hope the Titans pull this out. So the Seahawks are eliminated. (laughs) So they clinch a spot. Um, like they're gonna, they're fine. They're going to get in the playoffs. But there's still a lot. I mean, like when Kaminsky didn't fall on the fumble, you're Oof. like, oh, well, yeah. here we go. <laughs> um, so I think there, it's like always, uh, 
even right down to the wire there, just sort of expecting, you know, disaster to set in at any point. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly was cool to watch. I think it's it's been great for the fans. Obviously, like that place is Ford Field's going to be just out of control for the playoff game, whenever it is against whomever they're playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the result necessarily was a surprise because I think we felt going into the year that they were a contender and we certainly saw as the year unfolded that they were one of the top, I, I mean, I, I, they're a top three right now. And I think it's pretty clear they've been one of the three best teams in the NFC all year. So, or at least four best teams. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it played out the way we expected. It was just, you know, kind of fitting that it was a nail biter at the end there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, like Colton and I are both in the same situation. I think in that nothing about what this to this point, nothing is really surprised. And there have been fans that have been trying to jump off the ledge here for the last two months, every single day, right up until you know, really the whole season. People just haven't been able to understand that this is a little bit different this team is a little bit different and i and i can understand that i get that i've done my best my level best uh having lived here my whole life obviously or most of my life um been around the lions all of my life and knowing their history i i couldn't help but think of that game and i tweeted about it chris maybe you remember it i think it was like 2004 2005 somewhere in there i want to say harrington was the quarterback they roy williams might have been on the team they came back uh at the metrodome maybe or I don't even know if they had the new stadium. I think it was still Metrodome. Score a touchdown. I think it was like five seconds to go, and uh, they missed the extra point. Oh, missed the yeah, yeah. way back, and they lose 28-27. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's the type of stuff that happened all the time, all the time. <laughs> and it was like, for the first time all year, I really feel like uh, I it all hit me at once because it was just like, that was, the game, that was a game that they would have lost every single time in the old days, in the old days as of three years ago. They would have lost that game every time they played it because – Minnesota was there for it. They're trying to get the playoffs. Uh, frankly, I think, Colton, last week we talked about the Denver game. That would not have gone the way that it did in previous regimes. But this one especially, where we've seen games in the past, Stafford had years like this, where they had it solved and cinched, just go finish and get get the damn thing taken care of, and they couldn't do it. They would, it would get in their heads, the curse and all the weight of it and everything else. And the difference is, is that these guys embraced it, and they and they just attacked it from the minute it started uh, Colton, I think that there's the somebody. I, it's all over Twitter. The video that they got the Lions sent out of uh, Campbell telling the guys to look back in the back of the room before the season started. Right, I'm on the on yeah. the meeting room about when's the last time this franchise did literally anything. <laughs> like, and he's like, we can take care of a couple of those this year, right now. And and these guys attacked that the whole year. That was the difference, and we saw that in training camp. And I think that for me is why nothing about this has surprised me because if you do look at it objectively, without the Lions context like chris just said they are the much better team than anybody in the division right now and we'll see if that remains going forward but this year they were better and that's that they're a different group this is not the old days uh and i think that that's from top down and, and colton i think we've seen that all year have we not we have and like in this game they did what they were supposed to do but you still have to give them their flowers because this hasn't been done in 30 years there are players the majority of this roster was not born the last time the lions won division title um it was so funny after the game talking to guys like Sam Laporta and some of these young dudes saying, like, can you even, like, contextualize what you're doing right now, like, the history of this franchise? And he's just like, I mean, not really. I'm 22. <laughs> so, like, uh, they're not they're not fully grasping it. I think that's that kind of helps them, right? Like, they're not feeling the weight of 30 years. They don't really approach it like that. They don't take the field thinking – Oh, if we don't get this, then we got to play the Cowboys and we got to play the Vikings again. It's going to snowball and same old lines. Like, that's not what they're thinking when they go out there and suit up. They're just trying to win games, win ball games. And so I think that was kind of symbolic when you're watching them and the way they finish this game because um, even even go back to last year, man, that Vikings game in September of last year when, what was it, Campbell yep. decides to go for the field goal instead of keeping the offense on the field. Cool. You miss, they get the ball back with like less than two minutes, march down the field on your defense, score a touchdown, win the game. Um, brutal loss, yeah. Brutal loss. But that, like, that is like a same old Lions loss, right? It and was. so yeah. a game like this where, again, you're on the road. It's a tough environment. Like the Vikings have a good defense. Like that was not a gimme. The Lions were the better team, but that wasn't a gimme. You have to go out there and earn that. And the Lions did what they needed to do at the end of the game to kind of seal that victory. Um, 
you probably saw some tweets saying, oh, this is how it's, we know how this is going to end. The line's going to blow this. And <laughs> yeah. that didn't happen. It just didn't. And that's kind of been a theme all year. When the Lions have a late lead, they don't really blow it. This team knows how to close. They know how to finish games. They've had to learn how to do that over the years. You know, um, They took their medicine, as Brad Holmes said, and they've come out better for it. And so you're watching that game. You're watching it in the fourth quarter. And yeah, it was like okay, we're we're getting closer, but we got to get get over this hump, and they and they did it. And so I think that's kind of how it's been all year. And you know, I'm not surprised to see them get it done the way they did. Yeah, they haven't allowed the medicine to linger, and I feel like that's the difference between this group and other groups that have felt the weight of 30 years. And Chris, I'm curious on your perspective on this too, because there were like the Stafford years. I felt like um, most of it was either guys felt the pressure of that for themselves or they felt it for Stafford because it was like, he's going to be looked at as a bum here if they don't ever win anything on his watch. Right. And everybody loves Stafford that played there for the most part. Um, But that was a thing, man. Like that was definitely a thing. Um, And you were around it a lot more than I was, but I'm curious on your thoughts to that. This group has never had it. Campbell has been the opposite of that. Maybe it's the fact that he was on the 0 16 and Hey, can't get any worse. Right. Like, I don't know what it was or is, or if it's a bunch of stuff, but the weight of that whole thing, these guys have never cared. They've never cared for a second. And the old group, it was always, it was either it was either they tried really hard not to care or it was just something that was always there and they couldn't figure it out. And it was just always something that ate up them at the end, I guess. I don't know. What, what, what's your take on all that? Yeah, I mean, I could probably talk for a while on this and it's not my show anymore. So oh, I'll try and shorten it as much as possible. Yeah, but yeah, course, I mean, sir. even like the last play, even the Melifanwu pick, they probably had to like Glover Quinn probably makes that pick, but there's some years for sure where you get in that spot and you just had the Kaminsky didn't pick up the fumble. You give up the third and 29 or whatever it was to Justin Jefferson. That was nuts. You know, (laughs) takes the shot down the middle. There are a hundred percent would have been games in the past where whoever the deep safety was there was thinking, I cannot get beat deep and doesn't take the chance to make the go make the play and lets that pass happen in front of him. And it's first and goal at the one like that. And so even like little things like that is just you see the mentality being different of, well, no, you're not you're not going to take this game from us like we're going to go win this game. And so that is just that's a mentality play to me. Like, obviously, that ball like Mullins didn't zing that one in there. That was floating for a while. Like, that has got to be a pick. But I think we have seen plenty of times where that pass would have been completed or he would have gotten there early and run through him for interference or like and just because you're afraid to make a mistake. And to me, that does go back to Campbell and just sort of how he's built all this. And, you know, I mentioned to you too, Nick, like I would have been curious. I think a lot of this is in his DNA. No matter where he would have gone, he would have been this guy. But I think this particular approach where from the moment he's got here, it's been we're going to do what we think we need to do and I, who cares what happens like we're going to yeah. go for two we're going to go for fourth downs we're going to like we're going all out to try and win this thing and i think that that is like that's the difference you see seeping in because even a guy like jim caldwell who was a really good coach like that was what kept him from being a great coach here was that it got to the fourth quarter and they just say well let's try and let's try and manage this thing to the end and let's try and hold on and now you have since the start here, the mentality has been, well, we can't do that here. We're not good enough to do that at the start. And, and, you know, that's not the way we want to play. We want to go take these games from other teams. And so I don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's Campbell, like having that working knowledge of where the organization has been, but I feel like it's part of it. I feel like there's at least an understanding from him and from this coaching staff and everything of, sort of what they're trying to get past, even as they don't want to, you know, like it's not their fault. The same thing like Matt Patricia always said, like I wasn't here for it. Why do I get right. tied to it? But you still have to accept that it's part of the yes. part of what's happened here and part of what Fans. the fan base right. is going to expect to happen yeah. here. So um, I think you, in those moments, you know, late in those games, those are the plays like the, the uh, like hook and ladder, to in Green Bay last year and the pick this this past week like these little moments where you just sort of see that mentality that's been passed down to the entire roster um I, I think is the biggest difference for me when I watch this team now 
And Colton, you're around these guys, and a lot of them are young. Most of them are young. This is a young team, obviously. And none of them have anything to do with any of this. But that's that's been the case for all the groups that Chris just talked about. But the difference here, and you're around these guys more than we are, is I feel like they have, they being the Lions staff and, and Holmes and his staff, have brought in guys who not only are gonna are not going to let that pressure probably bug them, but I kind of feel like they actually do embrace the fact that, like, we can. This could be really cool. We could be part of something here, not like we we can't screw this up. We can't be an, <laughs> another laughing stock joke. Like these guys, for whatever reason, the personalities really to me feel like we call them. We we used to call them the Island of Misfit Toys. In some ways, they still are. I feel like the Island of Misfit Toys, but they're their own little bunch and they're very unique. It, it's almost like they've carved. They finally have carved out their own identity of like what it takes to be a lion, a confidence, a confident player, right, who has a swagger about him and who wants to do something that nobody thinks can be done. Am I speaking a little bit too much here? Because I feel like that's the type of locker room they have for the most part. Yeah. You talk about Panay and these guys. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I, I think my read on it is like they're almost like like too naive in a good way. Like they're they're <laughs> cognizant of the history, but like it doesn't seep into like their day-to-day thought process at all. And like every time you try to – I've been around, you know, some of the, some of the media guys trying to like pry an answer out of them about you know same old line something like that and they just downplay it they shoot it down like we're just we're just trying to play football man like that's it like we're just trying to win some games you know get in here get out win some games and uh, try to see how far we can go and so I do think that's a testament to the way they're wired I think that's a testament to um, the kind of secret sauce that that Brad Holmes and his his staff kind of look for in players um, you know they'll tell you. They want grit and character and all that stuff. But I do think there's something that they look for in that evaluation process where it's like, you know, the mentality, um, you know, short memory when things go wrong, the ability to kind of pick yourself up off the mat and move on and um, and get yourself right when things aren't going your way and the ability to kind of, you know, take yourself out of the moment when you do have an achievement like the division and kind of shift your focus to the next thing. Like that's ingrained in pretty much every single player on this roster and that's at, when it's like that, at, at this rate, at this level, that's from the top on down. And so it's it's Brad Holmes, it's Dan Campbell setting the tone, it's the coaching staff full of former players who've been there and done that, and then it's the guys that they brought in here who've played in big games and big stadiums that aren't afraid of the moment and can kind of live up to those expectations um, that the Lions are building right now. So when I look at the locker room, I see a group of young players that just want to go out there and play football, man, and uh, I don't know if that's always been the case. I think there are, are times where maybe you, you do let the history of this franchise kind of seep into your mind and you do get into a big game and you're kind of overthinking things. But these guys play loose, they're instinctive, um, and you, it never really affects their play on the field. And that's the biggest thing to me. So, I mean, even this past week, they just won a division title for the first time in 30 years. They're thinking about getting the two seed and then maybe even the one seed if things bounce their way. Right. So. They're aiming high, man, and that's what they'll tell you. Like, we don't, we're not satisfied with just a division title. It's nice. We're glad we did it. We're happy for the city of Detroit, but we're trying to do bigger things, man, and that's kind of the mindset right now. So I think I think when we look back on this and when Campbell was hired, um, and it's like he was not a popular candidate for any other job. Chris, was he? I don't remember him being, uh, being a finalist for any other job uh, that I can remember. I mean, maybe he interviewed for somebody in, like, the previous cycle, but – I don't think he was. I don't think he was a hot candidate, right? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the, like I think, when did the New Orleans job come open? Like that would have been the one, right? It was after I guess the, he took the Lions job. So, yeah. So, so right. So I don't think there was, was anything there. right. Right. So it was yeah. It was uh, like, I, I think it was Detroit or bust in that cycle for him for sure. So looking back on that, I think that was a huge, obviously. A huge error for uh, by everybody, really, because it should have been, including the people in our business who look at these things. Because when you look at Dan Campbell, I think here's what it is. It's not just the, man, he was this great teammate, and it's all this stuff, obviously, but the, the great teammate, the guy that played with all these guys, and you can talk to a thousand teammates, and they all love him, they'd all take a bullet for him, all this stuff. That's the, the biggest thing about Dan Campbell that makes him who he is. But the thing about his resume that nobody talked about, I feel like, is the fact that he, how many guys have been 0-16 and, and won a freaking Super Bowl. How many guys have been on both sides of it, polar sides? Like, five in the history of football. Like, I don't know how many of them even, if there even is that many. This guy has seen what it takes to be the top of the top, 
and he's seen what it takes to be the absolute worst shit that you've ever seen. Like, he knows all things that that happen, and I think that there are signposts along the way for a guy like this who's lived his life in football to say, like, um, we're not going to let, you know, like Colton has said, there, there's not these little mistakes that add up. They don't, they don't get to these situations where the pressure becomes too much for them because they don't get behind, really. They're always sort of ahead of the, of the game a little bit, right? They're ahead of the curve. I feel like a lot of preventative maintenance happens with the Lions that we do not see, that we never see and never hear about because their head coach has seen everything. He's seen the best of the best in this league, and he's seen, like, the worst of the worst in this league, and he's lived it as a player and as a coach to a degree, but really as a player. And I just – I think when you can come at football like this with professionals – from that standpoint of like, I know all, you know, where we're going. I, I know it's indicative of this or that. I Because a lot of these guys, I've never been around a loser. I don't know what it's like to lose. Oftentimes that it usually ends up in a disaster of a guy who's never like Patricia, right? Like that kind of stuff. This is not that. I, I don't I don't know if I'm rambling at this point. But Colton, do you agree at all with this, this sort of uh, take on Campbell? Because I feel like that's, he just, he's very, very comfortable in every single situation. There's nothing that he's really never been a part of or seen, I guess, at this point. Bad or good. Yeah, man, he's different. Like, you watch the really video. Really different. You watch the video the Lions put out, like, after that division title win. And first of all, great video. Like, I I think I tweeted yeah, that's really basically like that. That's basically like a coach of the year, like, nomination, like they're trying to do for him. Right. Uh, but you, you hear the way he talks to his team. And what was it week one before the season? He brings up the stuff on the back wall. Um, but he also tells the team, like, hey, we're going to have moments where we kind of hit a, a rocky path, but you guys are built for that. Like, I just know this group. You guys are built to kind of get over that. And that's a testament to, like, the mindset these players have and the group that he brought in. But it's also because he's seen and, and done it all, right? Like, he's been on bad teams. He's coached good teams. Uh, he's taken teams far in the playoffs as an assistant. Like, he's kind of been there and done that. So it, it, it is funny kind of listening to him sometimes because, like, you know, week two – come off the emotional high of being the Chiefs, you drop one to the Seahawks in overtime, and it's doom and gloom. The fans are pissed because you lost the home opener. Everyone's like, what's what's going on? I thought this was a better team. What are we, what are we doing here? Campbell comes back the next week and kind of laughs it off. and is just like, I'm not even worried, guys. Like, we're going to be fine. Like, we're going to bounce back. They end up winning the next four in a row, right? So it's like, even the, the rough patch, you lose two out of three. He's coming here every single day and saying, like, it's just little things. We just got to clean up some turnovers. We'll be fine. They did that. They're fine. Shocker. Like, he is not really phased by anything that he sees. Um, I think that's kind of what you need in a head coach, a guy that kind of can get you through the bumpy pass, can kind of, you know, bring you back down to earth when you're feeling yourselves a little too much. You need someone who can kind of do it all. And when you look at, like, the 2021 coaching cycle, like, some of the names that were hired back then, yeah. like, Campbell was not, like, the yes. sexiest name. But it's, like, not like Arthur all. Smith. Arthur Smith is kind of just this, <laughs> like, I don't he know. I see the way he. Campbell. He was I a hotter thought. name, but like, I mean, I question some of his tactics uh, as a head coach, uh, and his demeanor sometimes is a little stiff, and I don't think players super like really relate to that a ton. Brandon Staley was one of the coaches from that cycle. He kind of thought he was the smartest man in the room, it seems like, and his players kind of end up turning on him down the stretch there, and even Robert Sala, like, I mean, I know the Jets have had injuries this year, but like. I don't know, man. Like Campbell's a different type of breed when you look at some of these other coaches. Exactly. That even he was involved in the same cycle with. Like he is kind of a little bit of everything. Um, he can get you through the rough moments. He can bring you back down. He can set the set the tone for you guys before the season. And now, after you do something great and you a- accomplish this division title first time in thirty years, he's talking about their biggest enemy being complacency. And like that is such an important message for a young team that's never been in this situation before. And the fact that that was the first thing on his mind shows you that they got the guy, the right guy in charge. Um, you know, th- that w- those were some of his comments on Monday. I'm just like, I think they're in good hands with this dude. Like, I, <laughs> I really do. I think they got the right guy for this job. And, you know, we'll see how far they go ultimately this year. But um, he's kind of hitting all the right buttons with this team. Um, it's been kind of cool to see. Really? Well, yeah, go ahead, Chris. That was kind of one of the things that we were curious about when he first got hired. It was like, all right, well, this is – especially coming off Patricia, this is going to play – for the fan base, the players are gonna like this guy right away. Like he's not gonna have him running up a hill that he dug by hand in the training facility <laughs> or whatever. Like they're gonna like him. He's gonna relate to them. What happens to this message? This rah rah like cowboy message when 
they're terrible or like when they hit those bumps are the players going to start like oh this this again we're doing this speech again like are they going to start to tune them out and i think sort of two things there is one as we've seen is they haven't done that when they've hit those rocky patches the first year i mean the first half of that first year was horrible and uh, yeah, like really just watching back the video this week of the locker room celebration after the Vikings win the first one and guys are like carrying him around on their shoulders. <laughs> like they're just loving. Um, and, and so I, I think that that's part like they, it, that message never, um, that message never did get stale, but I also think, and I know we've talked about this, at least Nick and I for sure at some point, I'm sure you guys have talked about it on here too, but like they're, the impression people had of Campbell is like 25% of the picture, right? Like he's yeah. not, he's not just like the rah, rah meathead guy, as we've talked about, like there's a lot more there. That's what he's presenting to the team. That's how he's keeping them focused and keeping them in the right mentality. But I mean, I think obviously as we've seen now, they were laying the groundwork all along for what this vision was. And this isn't like, I assume this this isn't a one year blip. Like they didn't just get lucky this year. Like this was right. built yeah. to be like how do we build this and sustain it? And that's not something that just happens because you know you're more motivated for a few weeks than your opponent. Like that is a full like how do we train in July and August to make sure that this is still going well in December? And like what is our what what's the analytics team say about this situation and all that like I think it we probably still don't give, as you, said, as you said, Nick, we probably still don't give Campbell enough credit for all the little detail things that he don't even know. had his he finger on go, coming into this job and still continues to have his finger on. I think that Campbell in so many ways, and I think about this a lot, um, because in some ways I probably am one of them. We all are in so, in so many ways. I think Campbell has uh, uh, changed, he should for some, change the way a lot of people think when they think of the term football guy. You know, when you think of the term football guy, he's football guy. And that, you know, fair and fairly enough over the years has gotten a negative uh, connotation that's been attached to it in some ways. Or a funny one, right? Or whatever. Or a ha-ha, meathead, you know, the kneecap thing. And people looked for so many reasons um, or so many moments or whatever it would be to, to see him get overwhelmed. And to see him turn into the meathead who's all about, like, Metallica and lifting weights and doesn't can't add just got the job because he knew Sean Payton and like yelled a lot in his thing. And that's dude, same old, same old, just like any other. And it wasn't, that's not it because for like Chris said, that's maybe that's 25% of him. But that would also argue that negative connotation of a football guy or the, the whatever, that's also like 25% of a football guy crowd because the people who are what I would consider a football guy, like Dan Campbell, the plan for them. And I was Brad Holmes is that too. The plan for them was to win games. It wasn't to establish my identity as a coach or my plan here as an evaluator or my this or my that. Colton, you mentioned Arthur Smith. All he wanted to do was go in there and do my this, my that, how I'm doing this, how I'm doing that. That's how almost every single coach that in the history of the league in the last 15, 20 years has done it. And he is just not that. And I think that that's the difference. And I think and I, in so many ways, Chris and I talked about this a lot at the beginning I, I kept saying, like, I really hope he wins because he's the the last hope, I felt like, for the good guy football coach, the football guy. The, like, the guy who really does represent most of the people that I know that really love the game, that are really info, into it for, like, he's a coach that just wants to be there and win games and help guys get better and help guys stay in the league for as long as they can and get paid and help their families. That's all he wants to do. That's it. A lot of the other guys get into it because they're alpha competitors and they want to win and that's whatever – this guy just loves football. That's it, period, end of story. And that's how, that's their identity. That's it. And it's really not more complicated than that. And, you know, I think that's why they're an easy team for people to wrap their arms around. They're they're an easy group for people to probably want to play for Colton going forward. I mean, it's a pretty good situation. And like you said, I think he's different for sure. I mean, there's no other way to say that. Yeah, people ask me, like, all the time, so, like, is Dan Campbell, like, legit? Like, what's, what's his deal? Like, you know. Yeah. And I try to... I try to explain it. It's kind of hard to explain unless you're just around him, like, as much as we are. And it's like you can see it for yourself. You see the way he interacts at practice. He goes up and daps every single player and has a quick conversation with them and just lets them know that they're, like, on his mind, right? He he says his door is always open if a player wants to have a conversation. Uh, 
hard knocks we saw kind of the behind the scenes like that that speech where he's like I'm always thinking about you and I want what's best for you which is why we need to work hard right now so we can be built for these moments later on um, you see how collaborative he is with his staff and how complimentary he is of his staff Ben Johnson like a lot of coaches might try to downplay the success of a coordinator um, exactly. so, so one you don't lose him and two just you know maybe they want the credit that's not Dan Dan will hype up Ben and tell him that was a great call by Ben same thing with AG um, you see in Hard Knocks where I think they were talking about Craig Reynolds and, you know, should we cut him? And then he'd listen to his staff where, you know, Hank Fraley was like, he knows all, all the protections. Uh, Deuce said, you know, we need that guy around. Like, that's our guy. Um, Antoine Randall like, jumped in there. Fight you. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, but he trusts the opinion of the guys around. It's not he just did. his way or the highway. So, like, all the little things like that add up. And that's the total picture of Dan Campbell. It's not just. Yeah, like yeah, he wants a tough team. Yeah, he wants to kick you in the teeth. But like, he can also, you know, mentor players. He wants to see the best right. out of these guys, and he can get the most out of the guys. He can motivate a group, and it's like the total package is more than just the caricature that he's become in the national media. And I think people are starting to realize that. It took until three years, but they're finally starting to see it. And if he does win Coach of the Year, I think it's going to be a result of what he's built, you know, the last three years here, not just this season alone. Because I agree with that. Yeah, they they they've accomplish what they set out to do and like you can look around the league and some of the other coaching jobs like Shane Steichen and Stefanski and D'Amico Ryans and it's like yeah they're probably doing more with less and if that's your definition of coach of the year then sure but what Dan Campbell's done over a three-year process getting the Lions to this point where they're 11 and 4 I think the franchise record for wins in a season is 12 and they have a chance to do that with two more games left um Locked up your first division title in 30 years, can get your first playoff win in 32 years. Like These are things that have not been done for a generation. And Dan Campbell's coming here in short order, really, and turn this thing around, uh, along with Brad Holmes and, and Sheila making the right hires and things like that. So, I mean, I look at the job that he's done, and it's, it's hard to say enough good things about him because this is kind of – his fingerprints are all over this team at this point. He is a natural football coach. I don't. I've heard people tell me that they think they they. Uh, he reminds him of a college coach, in some of the ways that he approaches it. I say no. I. He reminds me, of, the. I played high school football for a Hall of Fame coach. That's what he reminds me of. A, a high school coach, a guy who just genuinely cares about the people that he's working with, and that is, natural coaching. That is very rare. Uh, and and it, it actually I should say, shouldn't say that it's not very rare. And I hope that it sets an example. There are more guys like Dan Campbell in the league uh, that are trying to get into coaching or are in, or are in coaching. And Colton and I and, and Chris, we've talked about this a hundred times on this show, the number of guys that Dan has brought in to the NFL already that probably wouldn't have gotten some of the opportunities that he's given them, and they've made him look good for it. And so when people tell me all the time, well, you know, when Ben Johnson leaves, I wonder if things are – I wouldn't be shocked at all if nothing blips here when Ben Johnson leaves – because he wasn't the original guy in the first place. And I really do think a lot more of this that goes on that we see every week uh, with that offense, I think a lot of it that he never will ever tell us about is Dan Campbell. I think most of it is probably Dan Campbell if I would be so bold, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. That's probably enough about him. Uh, we'll move forward here and look, look ahead, Colton, because I think um, a lot going on here still in these last couple of weeks. Um what you know, Dallas. This Chris and I were talking before the show started. They have the home game that's locked up. The seating situation you can still sort of improve that, um, but this is still a really advantageous thing to be in here. And this one Saturday, I think Campbell is spinning it as, you know, we're going to find out. You know, this is a real deal team against a real deal team, and I think that's how they're going to approach it. Yeah, I mean, it should feel like a little bit like a playoff game, I would imagine, in some ways, correct. It should. You know, I talked to players in the locker room and just asked what's the feel for this game, and they said it's a good way to see how they stack up before the playoffs. Um, you're going to go into a tough environment in Dallas. They're 7-0 at home, I believe. They don't lose there very often. They're, I think they're, I don't know, 15-1 and their last 16 games at home, something like that. Like, you know, it's a crazy run that they're on, um, and that's going to be a, a good test for you. I, I really think so. And it's also a good test to see how they're wired because what Dan said about battling complacency and that being your biggest enemy right now is very true uh, with a young team that just accomplished something that few teams before them have accomplished. Um, you got the whole country telling them that this team is different and they're probably feeling themselves. So can you go into an environment like that where a Dallas team's hungry to win? They just lost to the Dolphins. They're still competing for a division title themselves. 
Um, can you go out there and keep it going? Can you keep it rolling? Um, it's not an easy task, but I'd be curious to see if, if they win this game after the emotional high of last week. That's that's super impressive to me. That, that's going to be their most impressive win of the season, in my opinion, um, if they can do it after what they just went through. So, I mean, the message in, in Allen Park right now this week is kind of, let's see how far we can take this thing. They're not complacent with getting the three seed. They, if they win their next two games, they're guaranteed the two seed. If they win their next two games and San Francisco drops one in their final two, I believe they play the Commanders and the Rams. You know, maybe Stafford helps them out in Week 18. Uh, the Lions can get the one seed, you know. So, like, they're trying to set it up. Just do what you can do. Control what you can control. Um, let's get to 13-4 and, you know, see where that takes us. Speaking of the seeding situations, Chris, what do you – I mean, like, I there's a lot of talk about, like, what if they get Stafford in here? Oh, my God, people are going to be puking in the aisles with anxiety and everything else. <laughs> but, like, I when I look at all the opponents out there, again, this is going to be a really interesting game, this Dallas game, because – like, I do have a feeling I think the Lions, uh, I think they can play with just about anybody at home. I, I feel like, I, you know, they're not going to have to play Philly or San Francisco in the first round, so okay with that. But, I mean, like, what are you thinking? Who would you prefer? Who would you not prefer, I suppose, uh, in the first yeah. draw there? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I mean, I actually sort of hesitate to say this because you know Stafford's playing at a ridiculous level really right now. Well, that offense yeah. is clicking. They've got Cup. They've got Donald. I don't think that's a bad matchup for them if that ends up being what it is, mm. especially knowing sort of what Aaron Glenn's defense has struggled going against and what it's had more success against. Stafford's really the type of quarterback that you would want to be playing against, I think. Uh, like if you're, If all things are equal and you're choosing between like – drawing up your defense for Stafford and drawing it up, like what we've seen them do against like Geno Smith. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's a terrible matchup for them. I mean, again, like, you know Stafford is hot right now. You know what he's like when he's hot. You know he's probably going to play well coming in here. So it would be tough. But any of those matchups is going to be difficult right now. I mean, the one I said that when we were talking before the show started, like, if you get to week 18 and if you lose, then you get the Vikings in the first round with whoever their quarterback is at that point. Like, eh, maybe you take the foot off the gas a little bit and get that Also, matchup, do you but... want to play him for third straight time? Like, I, or a third time? I don't know maybe. if I want to do that. I mean, if I guess, Jaron but... Hall is their quarterback, like, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm not giving the Vikings enough credit. I feel like but you're tempting fate in that situation. <laughs> I don't know. I... I I I agree. I I agree with your overall assessment, though, that I feel like no matter who the matchup is, there's going to be things you're going to like about it and things you're not going to like about it. But they should be able to win that game, Um, whether it's you know the Rams or the Seahawks or like you got to deal with Jordan Love again or whatever the matchup is. You should feel pretty good about where you're at uh, as a team at that point. So. I don't know. I, I don't know that there's like a fate. Like I said, if you maybe the Vikings with their backup quarterback or like if the Saints somehow get back in this, like maybe that's your team you want. But I don't know. I like I think that you just sort of play it out and see what you get and you feel pretty good about it. And like I said, that first home game, we've seen some pretty crazy environments in Detroit. I'm sure you, this year especially, but that is going to be like, like – I don't know how many big games you went to at the Silverdome, Nick, but like, 
I went to a couple of like the Monday nighters and stuff where people were just like jumping out of the upper deck because it was just so (laughs) just insane. And so I think that it's going to be even by what we this new standard of Ford Field, like that whole week in Detroit is going to be just cranked up uh, to beyond levels we've seen in a very long time. So I, I think they should feel good about any of those matchups. But I, I don't know. Like, Colton, what's your – is there, like, a team that Lions fans should be avo- hoping to avoid here? Is it just the Rams because it's – I mean, that one comes with its own landmines, obviously, uh, Story, because it's Stafford. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the two I wouldn't want to see are the two that are currently in the 6th and 7th seed, and that's the, the Rams and the Seahawks. <laughs> right. Um, yes, that's true. And I'll tell you why. Like, I, I understand where you're coming from a little bit, Chris. But let me let me read this this tweet for you. This is from uh, <laughs> at Detroit Lions three one three. I saw this a couple days ago. The Rams offense with Matthew Stafford, uh, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, and Cooper Cup on the field at the same time together in twenty twenty three. It's crazy. You forgot about Puka. It's crazy. Uh, EPA per play first. Drop back EPA first. Drop back success rate first. <laughs> success rate first. Rushing success rate first. Points per drive first. Yards per play first. Rush EPA first. They're pretty good, man. Win like, the whole thing, guys. Like, they they <laughs> right. Win the whole deal. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, no problem. So I, I question some stuff on defense, but I mean that offense when they're all healthy and balling like that is pretty hard to stop. So I, I do wonder. <laughs> Aaron Glenn might have his hands tied there. Uh, and then the Seahawks, like, I think sometimes, like, a coach just has your number, and, like, Pete Carroll, man, is a phenomenal coach, and, like... It's been tough, yeah. I mean, they've he's beaten Campbell three times in a row, head-to-head, and, like, that team, for whatever reason, just has the Lions number. And, like, yeah, they're pretty up and down this season, but, like, something about it, a Pete Carroll team in, in January, I just want no part of. So, if it were me... Packers or Vikings. I know the the thing about playing a team three times, it's hard. Um, I feel pretty good against Jaron Hall in the playoffs. I don't know. That's just me. Well, yeah. uh, and then <laughs> the Packers. The, one. the Packers, like, I, they're not the same team that the Lions kind of just demolished in September. Um, but they are. Yeah, but. They have their ups and downs, too. Like, that's not a world beater out there. So I would prefer one of the MC North teams and getting that, you know, their, the familiarity of those teams. I think the Lions would come back and feel pretty good about them in the playoffs, but I don't know, man. Seahawks and Rams, it seems like those are the teams that are going to be in the mix, and uh, that's not great. I agree with you there. <laughs> I think I would almost rank it my least one that I would not want to see is the Seahawks and because of what you just said. Like, I think they have – I don't know why. It's like because the Rams in 10 seconds, like we just said, could turn it on and boom, away we go. Defensively, mm-hmm. though, I think Detroit can play in a shootout. Seattle – in a shootout, can get you like they and they have a couple times at Detroit. Literally, the last. I would almost games. say Seattle. Yeah, right. <laughs> Seattle would be my least preferred than the Rams and like, obviously the North teams. But like, yeah, give me Jordan Love in Ford Field for a playoff game. I am sorry. I know that everyone reacted the way they did the last time, but I just I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just me. But whatever. Um, should be interesting. I, I don't know. I I think. Hey, I'm not trying to like downplay. I don't want to get like I feel like Kelly Stafford's going to call She's me out on our podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> like I said they should play the Rams, but I I'm just trying. Like I think some of it is what you were saying, Colt. Like if I'm picking between the Rams and the Seahawks for the Lions opponent, I think you definitely would rather see the Rams I think so personally. Um, and so then I kind of just worked down the list from there. Like I mm-hmm. Vikings, like I said, that's the team. Like, again, if on you get paper. to Week 18 and if you lose that game, you get the Vikings again. Like It's not great because you know Brian Flores is a really good coach and you know they played you tough just with their backup quarterback and they've got Justin Jefferson. But, I mean, they're, you're a better team than the Vikings. On paper, you want And you're a better matchup. team than the Packers. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, I think it kind of goes almost down the line of, uh, I think the Rams are the six right now and the Seahawks are the seven. So, it probably flips. But you sort of just go down the line of where teams are right now and say, like, that. That's probably how you'd rank them, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting either way. I don't like. Are you gonna feel good about any of those matchups defensively going in? Maybe Minnesota if they're on the backup QB, oh, yeah, right. but anyway, in any any case, there. Yeah, even with love, you're not gonna feel great about. Like it. the keys to the game for the Lions are not going to be that much different depending on the opponent because you know what the defense is in Detroit and you know what the offense can be and. 
the things that are really good are going to have to be really good, no matter who the opponent is, um, because it's going to have to cover up the things that's not so good. Let me ask you guys this. Um, if it is the Rams, how confident are you in Dan Campbell's ability to get the, that team and those guys ready to play, knowing all the storylines that will be floated out there during that week? Yeah, cool. So that's the ultimate test to me. This. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. We were talking about to Jordan about this the other day, and you guys brought this up, and I overlooked it because I was like, Stafford's going to be miserable if they have to play that game, but whatever, he'll put on when time comes, he'll be fine, like because he's a Stafford, he's been around for a thousand years. Goff is also going to be miserable, like maybe I more than Stafford. That's the one, and yeah. I don't know if he can put it away the way that I know that Stafford can, and then just go out there and play. Yes, I would be worried. Chris, I don't know. I would be worried. Jared Goff still goes up and down for me, and um, yeah. he still gets hot and cold and streaky, and that would worry me uh, a lot, actually, yeah. That's that's the one. Because I think a lot of it, I mean, how many of these guys, like... That's a good point. Real, uh, with as much turnover as this roster has had, how many of these guys even have a long-standing relationship with Matthew Stafford anymore? It's not that yeah, many. No, right. um, so I that's think it, for the most right? part... Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, it wouldn't be that big of a challenge in the locker room. I don't think it would be a challenge for the coaching staff. I think it would be a challenge for the Rams coaching staff. I think McVay could get lost in it a little bit that week. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the quarterbacks, you just assume Stafford would be Stafford. But, we, I mean, the flip side is we've also seen what Matthew happens to him when he presses a little too much, right? (laughs) So maybe you get one of those games from him where he's like, I got to do – I have got – to win this game by myself and he throws two of those picks or he forced fumbles one that he shouldn't like we've seen those games too so maybe you get one of those but yeah i mean golf is the one and i think that I, as we talk about sort of what the how we've talked about this regime has changed that golf the one is the one for me that i think i've had to reset sort of you know what i thought about him as a player because when he got here as we've covered like they their whole thing was like we just got to get him back like start over rebuild the Roll whole thing yeah, right. but i i One. think that I, I i do think that he is probably more uh mentally tough than he's been given credit for certainly that i oh, yeah. gave him credit for when yeah. this thing started I so i i don't know i mean i do th- that would be a difficult week for him i'm sure he would be miserable like Stafford would be miserable the whole week but it's also one of those where um you know he came here and they gave him this opportunity and he has embraced the opportunity and I'm sure he would love nothing more like that would be a career defining win for him to go out there and beat Matthew Stafford and I think that like yeah there's the danger that he's going to throw three picks and have a rough up, yeah. day because he's just freaking out. I think there is always that danger, but I I think I would have more confidence in the possibility of Goff like, throwing the gauntlet down that week than I would have a year or two ago because I, I think he's shown that he's, like I said, I think he's more mentally tough than I gave him credit for when he got here for sure. I would also say, and Colton, you know this, this is his team, and those guys yep. in the room – they weren't there either. They know that the Rams quit on him. And do you, I mean, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Like, I'm pretty sure they'll have his back. So if, he is going to be, if they have to play the Rams, charged up to a point where, yes, I would be concerned about all that. But how much of it Colton gets taken away by the fact that, man, these guys love themselves a uh, little Jared Goff, do they not? I think they would be ready to go to war for him and think that that's a pretty special day and we're, we'll be damned if we're going to lose that one for him. I feel like that would be the attitude in that game they'll absolutely rally around him and i mean you look at the offensive line it's almost like they're like the children of divorce in the situation where they got they like, all are yes <laughs> like like stafford we love him but our guy's golf and yeah, right. in, in a game like this knowing what what jared's been through and the way that he was kind of yeah. just cast off they would absolutely rally around him and try to get that win for him and um yeah i agree they would play up for him and they understand this is a – if this happens, that is a narrative-shifting game of seismic proportions for Jared Goff. Even now, when he's – the last two years where he's been a top-ten statistical quarterback, 
you still have people that don't trust him. Like he's not gonna get the job. You can't can't win with him. Um, got to move on. Got to find a replacement. Whatever. If he wins that game against Stafford, you're talking about slaying some demons, right? You're talking about setting yourself up for the future. You get that contract this offseason. The city of Detroit, you probably don't have to buy a, a drink again for the rest of your life. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Just get that one win. You see what you can do after that. But, man, like, if that is how it's setting up, this is a huge game for Jared Goff. And I am interested to see how he produces in that moment. I think the way that he is wired, we, I, I totally agree. He doesn't get enough credit for the way that he is wired and how mentally tough he is because he takes a lot of shit, man, a lot. He, does. he just kind of <laughs> yeah. tosses it aside and goes back out there and, and does his job, and he's done this now for two years uh, at this level. So I, I'm talking myself into this one as I, as I say all this. I want to see that now, man. Like I, <laughs> too, I really Lions fans might not agree with me, but – I want it, oh, and if I you're talking care. about, if you're talking about getting a win like that, like you, Lions fans just want to see one playoff win, right? That's well, that's what this whole season's been about: win the division, get a playoff win. If that's your one win, hell of a season, hell of a storyline, and you're setting yourself up for the future. So I would personally love to see it. So we'll see. It's like it's perfect. It's freaking perfect. And Chris brought up the Out point of a that they could get lost in it. <laughs> yes. McVay could absolutely, probably will get lost in it because the Lions were the team in that whole thing that were the joke. They were the ha-ha pathetic. These guys are bum losers who have this awesome quarterback who they won't let go of and they're ruining his life and his poor wife and everything else. Oh, my God. And everyone felt so horrible for poor Matthew Stafford. And McVay came and saved his life and got the piece of crap off out of there and away we go, and off to no man's land you go. And now, ships of the night passing, and here we go, we're back again. Like, yes, I would love to see that. And honestly, honestly, I think a lot of Lions fans would love to see that. A lot more than are probably uh, nervous on Twitter. For all the reasons we just said, it would be exactly like, what a cleansing, whatever. I don't know what cleansing, but what a shifting Yeah, no, moment. I would. Cleansing I, I probably is cleansing. Right, right? Yeah. Yeah, in absolutely. so many ways, and it's. And that's not to speak ill of Matthew Stafford, because I don't think that's fair. But that is a dragon slade. He was the number one draft pick. You paid him all that freaking money. And we've talked over the years about how the cap and everything changed over the years. It didn't work. Ten, whatever, 12 years didn't work. That's a hell of a burden to carry. You can kill it right now if you get him in the playoffs and move on. Right? And just move on and be done with it. I think that'd be a great story. And I understand that people are nervous, but... In some ways, yeah, I would think I'd prefer that too. That's that's my coming at with it. My last question I'll have here for both of you guys. Um, <laughs> this Chris shakes out of here. Is, uh, <laughs> I, just, I just can't like. I I don't think there are that many Lions fans hoping for that game. I don't <laughs> think so either. Than, <laughs> you know, think. However, my last question for you has got something to do with Stafford as well, and I guess uh, Colton, you have some context on this. Chris as well. You guys both have opposite ends of it but um i'll start with you chris um campbell said the other day um that he felt uh, that this when they started the rebuild that year three would be the year that they could compete and win the division that he thought for sure that that was a legitimate thing and he actually said he thought that last year he and holmes thought they could do it then if they did everything perfect um to me i thought that was a little bit bold i'm curious because I think that th- I think they are still a little bit ahead of a reasonable schedule based on where they actually were when the whole thing started. Others may disagree, but I'm curious on your thoughts on that. They clearly disagree with me and thought that by year three this was doable and everything else. To me, this has been a above average, speeded rebuild from from nothing. And uh, I'm curious on your thoughts on that because that was interesting to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think we sort of talked about year three, like you had. It was sort of all going the way we thought it was going to accept this jump. I think the year three jump we talked about was like compete for the playoffs, right? Like get into the playoffs would be incredible in year three. And so they've taken a a leap beyond that where now they're, uh, you know, already have the division clinch with two weeks to go. They're an NFC title contender. I think realistically, like, I think that that's, that's the leap we are waiting for next year. Um, I think some of that was just, Again, we I mean, we've given Campbell a ton of credit here, and obviously Holmes has gotten a ton of credit along the way too. But, I, I mean, I think that 
the number of bodies that have turned over for them to be this competitive this early is is impressive too. And some of the ones that are kind of right at the heart of this, like Anzalone to me, like you and I talked to Aaron Glenn. Uh, that was one of the first signings that we talked ago. to him a few few weeks right after it happened. And he, you know, Anzalone had, had that shoulder injury in New Orleans, so he like couldn't take on blocks and he couldn't tackle. And Glenn was sitting there like, "Well, when when he is healthy, like you're gonna watch him shoot through these gaps and you're gonna watch him play aggressive and he can get sideline to sideline." And you and I got off the call. And you're like, "This is that's not the guy about? that they got. That's not who they got." <laughs> and. uh so, like, they, I mean, I think that they deserve, like, Holmes and his staff deserve a ton of credit, not just for how they've drafted, but for how the, some of those pieces have helped accelerate this thing. Like, Anzalone and even further, like, Khalif Raymond, like, some of these guys that, like, just pieces that other people didn't necessarily want um, and now are kind of at the heart of this thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's accelerated it, too, because – if it's going to go faster than expected, like you obviously have to build through the draft and you obviously have to make a couple of savvy trades and free agent pickups here, but you also have to find those guys two and three deep on the depth chart that aren't just complete garbage, right? Like you have to find guys that are going to step in and start when someone gets hurt. Or you have to find something else to do with a guy like Melifonwu when he looks lost at his position. And so I think that, a lot of those moves have sort of accelerated things, and um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's faster. I thought they'd be a playoff team this year, um, and I think Aaron Rodgers getting out of the division probably helped too, obviously. But um, I do think that they're ahead of schedule. Uh, but to go back to my earlier point, like I don't feel like this is just, and maybe maybe I should temper this because i i think back in the 90s everyone thought that like exactly. oh this is just the start for the lions right. and then it imploded for 30 years but this doesn't feel like it's a flash in the pan thing it feels like it's built to to be there next year and two years three years from now so um yeah i mean i think they're a little ahead of schedule but not to the point where it's unsustainable i guess if that makes sense i'll ask you the same question i mean you were living here when Campbell got here and obviously you've been here on the beat through the second half of it, but like, and you know the NFL now, I mean, like, it's not impossible, it's built to have a fast turnaround, or at least a reasonably quick turnaround, did you think, what do you think, is this a head, a little bit ahead, a little bit where you thought it would be, or is that fair from Campbell to say, because, I don't know, maybe it is. Um, probably depends, like, where you're starting from, like, after year one, when they're 313-1, like, probably harder to see the vision, um, and like that was always going to be a foundation laying year, get get a high draft pick and get some guys in here. But like that was probably a little tough when they after that first year, uh, you get the one and six start, and it's like, I mean, people were calling for his job back then. You know, Sheila had to come out and talk to us. Like that was a different time. You really didn't know it could have gone one of two ways. Either they continue on that track, they go, you know, four and thirteen that season, and it's like, oh, he's on the hot seat now. Might give him another year, but let's see how this goes. Uh, it completely turned around. Going eight and two to me is what really shifted this thing forward. I did not see an eight and two run. I thought they would be better in the second half of that season after one six. Um, you know, maybe five and five. I didn't see eight and two. Like that to me said, our young guys are ready. They weren't at the beginning of the season. We got a little healthier. We're learning how to close some of these games that we were competitive in, and now we're ready to go. So I think. That's what accelerated this to get to this point because the expectations were in January, let's win the division. And the Vikings were coming off a 13-4 season. So it's like that was easier said than done. But the fact that they've just commanded this division from start to start to finish, wire to wire, they've had some help, obviously. Rodgers is out. Kirk Cousins goes down. But, I mean, the Vikings were like one – they started 1-4 with Cousins and were 4-4 four four with them. So it's like the Lions did everything they needed to do this year to get to where they are. Um, and they're eleven and four now. Have a chance to finish thirteen and four, set a, fr- a franchise record for wins in the season. Maybe you get that playoff win. Like to do this in year three with how bad that roster was two years ago, is pretty insane to me. So like, in some ways, they're right on track, and that's probably what they envision at this point. But like, how many teams like say this is what we want to do by year three? Like a bunch of teams would probably have this, this vision. It's yeah. easy to say, harder to do. And the fact that they've done it, to me, is impressive. And I think maybe they are a little bit ahead of schedule from where they first initially set off. 
It, either yeah, however you land on it, right, is is probably you know, whatever. It's been impressive to see um, the whole thing go through either way. Because I just when you think about where it was when it started, like you said, Colton, and how all the things that could have gone wrong to push it off track or to turn it into something or whatever, and I just I think that yeah, it's been one of the most impressive things we've seen in Detroit in a long, long time. And I've tried to think about like why is it. Why? What other than, like, whatever, and, and the, the the one thing I do think that has surprised me in this whole thing, I guess, is that when last year started, um, obviously they ended the, the year before on a brighter note with a couple wins in the last month of the season, but they really had higher expectations for themselves, Colton, last year, if you remember, when the year started, they had higher expectations for themselves than anyone did, really. Um, Certainly than the rest of the media, for sure. I, yes, we did not <laughs> think they were going to be good at all. And that was, and they pushed hard, and it almost blew up in their face because they went one and six, and and you know they had to stay the course. But I really do think, and it paid off because Campbell said this when he was talking about that, like you know they thought they could compete in year two if everything went perfect, and they could just do it right and cut it right and, and whatever. They got there at the end of the year, and they go, they had that stretch at the end of the year, and they figured out like, oh, we actually can play close to perfect based on our talent level and everything else. And, whoa, and when we actually do that, like, the way that we play football is really fucking hard to play against. And nobody really wants to do that. They don't want to hit that much. They don't want to go that long into the fourth quarter with the run game like this. And then it just slowly started to click. And then it's just taken off from there. And so maybe that's how Campbell looks at it and says, once they figured out how to win, boom, everything takes off from there. But it was really, I look back on it now, and maybe it was that, like, they pushed really hard last year to start like harder than i thought they would because i was almost just too like, hard yeah yeah i you know you won some games at the end of that first year they were all rookies and nobodies and then you come in this next year golf is feeling a little bit better about himself take little baby steps and maybe you you know whatever and they got there i don't know it's just it's been a, it's been a wild ride interesting interesting run to say the least since that one and six start the lines are now 19 and six which is pretty insane i just just hearing that number is pretty wild how, how far they've gotten <laughs> I think there's also something to be said for we talk, always talk about like you have to learn how to win, but I also think there's something to be said for like can you learn how to lose so that it doesn't blow right. up in your face? Like can you learn how to lose mm-hmm. and be okay with taking the lessons from that game and moving them forward to the next one? And that's really what this season especially has been about. Um, as Colton said, they had those blips like the Seattle game was that was a tough loss. They got clobbered. By Baltimore, and then came back and had a Monday nighter, and had to go play the Chargers, and like that, you know, they lost the Thanksgiving game to the Packers. Like a lot of these moments where a team that maybe wasn't feeling as good about itself would have fallen apart. And even last year, like one in six after the year that they had the first year, like if Jeff Okuda doesn't make that pick in Chicago in week nine or ten or whatever it was, like. What does that season look like? And it, some of that is just because I, I think there is something to be said for the other side of that too. How do you deal with those those moments where it's not going well? How do you lose so that it doesn't kill your whole season? Because we've definitely seen that time and again. It's Patricia Caldwell, certainly all the coaches before that. Oh, Patricia, um, God, September, yeah. Well, Patricia. I mean, they had the. What was the Patricia had the the Chiefs? Yeah, that was it. Loss, and then they went to Green Bay, and they had the like hands to the face, and then that was like the end of the regime on September thirtieth or whatever. <laughs> like that was the whole thing never recovered. So I think there's something to be said for like how do you handle as we've talked about how do you handle the adversity, but how do you handle losing? Like how do you handle like if they lose to the Cowboys this week? How do you get it back before the playoffs? You know, how do you not let that linger through a game that doesn't really matter in Week 18 and into the wild card round? But I think that we've seen from this organization and this team that they are are in a good enough spot to be able to get past some of those hurdles. So I think that that is important too. Colt, you got anything else to add? No, I'm all good. I think that was well said. And before we ride off, um, go Pistons. <laughs> 
Yeah. And you went to a game the other night. I saw that. I went to, uh, oh, I went to see him clinch that record. Lot, I had to be. A lot there. of people went to that game. I had to go man. see that record. Yo, I walked up to the ticket you office. You were sitting in the roof, too. <laughs> I walked up to the ticket office, like, midway through the second quarter. I said, give me the cheapest ticket you had. $35, which is still, like, insane for this that's team. Insane. That's ridiculous. That's and I sat in the very top. That's ridiculous. And it was fun. It was, I had a good time. The diehards up there, man. You got to sit in a game, sit in a, uh, watch a game from uh, up in the Raptors. Oh, I've, been get into the... I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. You get some of those Palace playoff games for, like, 12 bucks back in the... <laughs> We are a far cry from those days, uh, folks. And I'm not going to damper this championship podcast with a Pistons talk as they go through. <laughs> Further utility here. The Pistons okay, died for this they, NFC they North really Championship. Did. They really did. Which has been really hard for a lot of people, but that's just how we have to do things here uh, in Detroit, apparently, uh, as we pull forward. But in any event, we appreciate Chris, of course, for joining us. Uh, we'll have to get you on, Chris, before uh, playoff time again, maybe here. Maybe if they don't buy, which I don't even, I can't even. Or, or the double buy. Or do they, is that a thing anymore? The double buy is a thing, right? I guess you couldn't get that. Probably not gonna, well, maybe I don't know the one seed. They could get one that. Just That's not a thing anymore, is it? Yeah, just the one, but just the. Never just mind. The one that was a different thing I was thinking. That uh, was a different tournament I'm thinking about in general. <laughs> but in any event, all right, that'll be enough for this week. Happy holidays to everyone, of course. Happy New Year. Good luck to all your bowl teams. Uh, you guys got anything else before we right out of here? Are we good? Go Mizzou uh, Tigers! I get to see him in the Cotton Bowl right before the Lions play. That could not have worked out better. So uh, M I Z Z O U. That's Friday, right? Friday night? That's Friday night, yeah. How about that? Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, Colton will go check that out. That'll be good. <laughs> again, for Chris and Colton, I'm Nick. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week.